Hello and welcome to episode 74 of the Football Index Weekly Podcast featuring Alan Cooper for the second time. Alan was again a great guest and I really enjoyed having him on. Big thanks to Alan for his time and uh, yeah, fair play to you. It's been a pretty dismal week on Football Index and genuinely from the bottom of my heart, whoever you are, I know there's there's lots of you out there who listen to this podcast, who listen to me bang on every week. A lot of you have been here for a year, a year and a half with me now. And look, I just hope you're all doing okay, genuinely, because this week I think for the first time I was a wee bit rattled, maybe it's a bit strong, but like a bit down over it. I think it actually affected me for the first time outside of the little football index Twitter sphere, do you know. I was kind of like, geez, this is pretty grim, do you know, with the time invested in a podcast on it and, do you know, I'm talking about the same shit every week and I'm getting messages from worried people and... It's just a bit grim at the minute. So look, I hope you're all doing okay. If any of you need a chat, do slide into the DMs. I'm here. Let's have a chat. Um, if you need a vent, if you've overexposed yourself and can't talk to the wife or girlfriend or parents or boyfriend or whoever it is, do you know? I'm an ear. I'm a familiar voice. If you want to have a rant to me, by all means, I'm here for you because this is a rough enough time. It's as rough a time as I've seen on the index. And I think... While the people who've been on for a long time say that it used to be very volatile, I don't know if there's been such a sustained period of grimness on the platform before. So yeah, look, just just so you know, I'm here for you, uh, as I know you would be for me. So yeah, that's the first thing. Secondly, I'm an absolute chump. We all know this by now. But I forgot that the, the charity swear jar challenge started this week. I announced it was starting this week. And it definitely has started this week. But while recording, it completely slipped my mind. Editing, going through, I definitely cursed a lot this week. So I'm just going to say 25 quid to charity is what I'm given. Uh, 25 quid for this week. I'd say I swore 25 times. It could have been 50. It could have been 14. I, I, I didn't count. 25 quid into the charity swear pot this this week for anyone listening who missed that last year do you know because there are a lot of new listeners basically until the end of the year now every week every time i say a bad word shit doesn't count but i kind of judge what a bad word is and there's there's a good a lot of fucks in there i'll give a quid to charity uh, last year a few people matched me they said they give a quid every time i swore they give me 50p if i swore they'd give me 25p for every swear word and what it did was it meant that when you're listening there's a bit of suspense hanging on the end of every word if he says fuck you're down a quid do you know it's a bit of crack good way to give back to charity if you're in a financial place that you can do so uh, just send me a message let me know you're in it would be great it'll help me sort of tot it up and if not, you know, you'll be able to donate at the end. I'll probably set up a Just Given page to collect donations. But it's just a bit of crack, something to do. And yeah, any support would be massively, massively appreciated. So for those of you who are involved or want to be involved, I'm going to count this week as like 15 for you. Anyone listening? Uh, 25 for me. It was a big week, I swear, and now. So I, I hope they won't all be this bad. I think last year I actually managed to go an episode by the end of the year without swearing. But I threw in like five fucks at the end because Charlie had to get something. So, yeah, that that's uh, that's how that's going to work. And lastly, 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 just a plug for the sponsors of the show, Footstock. Footstock have sponsored me for about a year now. I mentioned it in last week's podcast. They've just laid out a roadmap for the months ahead. Very exciting. I actually did a podcast on another podcast they do, which is about Footstock, with... Uh, a member of their team, Tom Mitchum, who's actually been on this podcast before as a football index user. And, do you know, it's just brilliant. The transparency, uh, the plans they have, 
very exciting times. Um, do you know, I really, really enjoy Footstock. I do. You know this by now. If you want to give it a go or if you have any questions, give me a shout. Give me a message, whatever. And make, make sure you sign up on my link in the description, please. If you're human in hand about it or you're thinking, just sign up on my link. Um, even if you don't have money to put in now, sign up on my link. Because that really, really helps me. Um, in a major way and it helps support the creation of content so thank you for listening have a good week i hope you're well and i'll chat to you next week And now I'm joined for a second time by who used to be known as the ticker watcher, Alan Cooper. Alan, I don't know if ticker watching is fun anymore. Maybe you can tell us. <laughs> it's a bit dull these days, isn't it, John? So, yeah, I'm afraid that's a pastime that is firmly in the past. <laughs> yeah, God love you. It's boring enough, do you know, and then have one of your, your, your sort of favourite hobbies ripped away from you. But what did you think? Actually, this is something that we didn't even discuss to talk about at the start. They changed it to matched and stuff instead of just bought or sold. Did did you feel any particular way about that or care? The only thing that I, I actually fed this back to them myself, I said, because at one point it was just showing sale, sell, sell, sale, sale, sale. And I, and I said to them, actually, that could have potentially a negative psychological effect on people if they're seeing everything going through as a sale. Because every single sale is also a buy these days without there being FIIS. So... Why would you advertise everything as a sale? It doesn't make any sense to me. So I suggested they change it to a buy instead. Um, but obviously matched is also fine. So it is what it is. It needed to be changed. And, you know, I, I don't think it makes too much difference now. Yeah. It wouldn't have been one of the things that top my priority list, but I know a lot of people sort of thought it was almost, it's just one of those easy wins. And these are the things that we want FI to do. It's all these little easy wins that accumulate. And we feel like they've been sort of missing out a lot of them recently. But Alan, before we get into it, do you want to just recap people who have heard you before in the podcast and tell new listeners just a small bit about yourself and, and your Football Index journey to date? Sure, yeah. So I started Football Index in October 2017. So just over three years now. I had a fantastic time on it so far, uh, despite the recent uh, dips in the market. Um, still got a nice profit figure. And... Um, yeah, basically just love the product, uh, very positive about it. And, um, you know, obviously we'll talk about the positivity and also the frustrations during the podcast, but um, still happy, you know, overall with the product and really looking forward to the future of it. Um, obviously I had to change strategy a few times and things like that, which again, we'll probably go into at some point. But, um, you know, it's been a really exciting journey so far. And I think, you know, the long-term future of FI is very positive. Well, there's a lot to talk about today, and I just want to put the disclaimer out there. I talked to you about this beforehand. I'm a bit of a Debbie Downer this week. I'm, I think of all the weeks I was saying to you, you know, it's been nearly two months since Black Sunday. I've remained upbeat. I've remained pretty positive. I've sort of just taken it all with a pinch of salt. But this week, it got to me a bit, Alan. I just, I just kind of got a bit... Ugh, do you know what? I think it's just lockdown in Ireland at the minute. I can't go without it, say, five kilometres from my house. I'm off work a lot, air traffic control, we get a lot of time off anyway, and now it's like 90% hours, so I'm off all the fucking time. Playing a lot of Call of Duty, bit of Among Us, sitting around bored, and 
getting inundated with messages of people panicking about their portfolios and I'm looking and my portfolio has no IS price and I bought players last week thinking I was getting a deal and they're still dropping and I went to put a bid in on Trent Alexander-Arnold of like 580 and bought him by accident for 640 because I'm a dickhead and now he's like 530 it's just the it just seems it's it's attrition almost it's just it's been so long of just me having to stay up to date with social media because of the podcast talking about the same shit every week and i'm just a bit of a debbie downer about it this week and you're a bit on the flip side of that so i think it'll be a nice kind of devil's advocate type conversation where we get both sides across i hope but for me i think their product update to start the week for me on a whole before we even get into it it wasn't great I feel it was a lot of filler. I feel they're almost spending a lot of resources doing shit people don't care about when they should be prioritising other stuff. I feel there was maybe only two to three points in it that actually I cared about at all. And of those, maybe only one, maybe two made sense to me. I don't know. We'll start with that anyway. What did you make of those comms in general? I think the, the difficulty that they've got at the moment with the comms is that the damnedest they do and the damnedest they don't. There's so much clamour in the community on social media, all over so different types of social media for them to announce something or even to give an update. And then they give an update and there's not anything too meaty in it. Like it sounds positive, but it's not actually anything that's got a firm date on. It's not, it's not really that much of an update from where they were previously. So... I can see why people are frustrated with it and kind of go, meh, you know, what, what's what's the point in that? So that's what I mean, the damned if they do and the damned if they don't really. Um, I think the thing that the thing for me is that I feel as though that the expectation of the community as a whole is a bit high. Now, that doesn't mean that there are issues that should have been resolved by now and that I'm, I am unhappy about lots of things. But I do think that people just think you can make a change of something that's really complex, like in a couple of weeks, and it's just not realistic. Um, you know, I've listened to quite a few experts in the kind of tech industry on different pod, different FI podcasts. People actually work in this stuff, and they say people do not realize how hard it is to do the simplest thing on a you know on this kind of, kind of platform. So I think it's really really tough. They obviously are trying to fix it. There's no way they're sitting there thinking it's all okay. In fact, I know they aren't for a fact because I've spoken to them. So. You know, they know that stuff needs doing. Um, they're trying to keep in contact with us. They're trying to stay engaged with us and try and keep people engaged in them. Um, but it's difficult if you haven't really got much to update. You know, do you release something to say, look, we are working on this, we're working on that, we're going to do this, we're going to do that? Or do you just stay silent? It's a really difficult balance. There's so much to this. <laughs> like, Okay, so, do you know, there was the end of the deposit bonus and they kind of said, look, we'll, we'll give you comms early next week. That's how it all started. And this came out on, was it Tuesday evening, maybe? I think the third, what's that, four days ago? I think it was Tuesday evening. And, do you know, people were already putting out the memes about early next week. Is it, what is early next week? Is Wednesday early next week? No, it's not. Do you know, this type of shit, which is a bit much, who cares? Um, then they put this out. And I know they're under pressure to make comms and, and put something out, but I just kind of felt for such an innovative, revolutionary, forward-thinking company in the 21st century, I thought they would have been a bit more creative. And even though there are tech things in place and hard things to... You know, there's stuff that's hard to do. 
if if there's stuff that takes a bit of manpower and and takes a bit of time, then why are you wasting fucking time in a data center? That's something I want to get to, but. I just felt like the comms were empty in many ways. I, it's almost like, do you remember whenever they did the... This is just the vibe I'm getting. I by no means claim to be an expert. Uh, I just talk about this shit to people that are smarter than me. Like you, Alan. But the remember the, the shit dividend increase? Where they basically stuck in a load of stuff and then it was like, Goalkeepers, team of the month! And here's a new dividend table. This just felt a wee bit like... And I'm probably being a bit overcritical because of where my head's at at the minute with them. But it just felt like, active traders trading volume, no one gives a fuck. Activity feed ticker, no one gives a fuck. Session times, I really don't care, Adam Cole. Portfolio calculation, interesting enough, but to the layman, a bunch of gibberish. But I understand why it's important. Circuit breakers, meh. Depth of market, they'll do it later. Great, okay, kicking it down the road. Data center, you spend so much time on doing something that's a tenth as good as index gain. No one cares. Some people care. I know it needs to be there for the platform. But is it really a priority? Probably not. Could that a developer been doing something else? Could that person have been tidying up all those little things that people bitch about on podcasts and blogs and Twitter about every week? Fixing apps. Something went wrong. No, they're building a data center when there's things out there. Anyway, I understand it's important. I just don't think it should be at the front of their queue. Liquidity. The 2% rebate. Really? Do you really think that's going to do anything? That's not going to incentivize buys. But this is where it gets interesting. Bids and offers. I like that. I like that you can both bid and offer. Okay, I like that. Commission on bids. They're introducing the commission now. Okay, well if it wasn't a good idea to introduce the commission a month ago when the market was fucked, why is it a good idea now? I don't know. Stability of dividend payouts. Great, you're going to do what should have been done. Regular updates. Okay, you're going to tell us regularly. That's me just being cutthroat going through those comms. I understand there's a lot more to it. And if you look at it through... Rose-tinted glasses would be a bit patronising. Not rose-tinted glasses. If you look at it in a bit more of a positive light, I understand how you could look at me and be like, this guy's a fucking dickhead. But that's just the vibe I personally got flicking through it on my own, sitting in my living room drinking a cup of tea on a Tuesday evening. Like, yeah, I think everybody's opinion is just as relevant as, the, as, the, as somebody else's, John, at the end of the day. You know, if someone, if you read it like that, then somebody else would have read it like that and then somebody else probably would have done as well. So, you know, it doesn't matter whether somebody's being negative or, or being positive. At the end of the day, you know, clearly if you felt that way about it, you won't be the only person. Um, I think, the, I can't argue with too much of what you said there, really. I mean, a lot of that stuff is surface level. It's not really the crux of what the issues are. I think, you know, again, as, a, as an overall comms in terms of how it's laid out and stuff, it's okay, but it doesn't really, you know, if you look at it, like it starts off, it, it sort of starts off with things that aren't that important. You know, it starts off about literally the first thing on the update is about active traders and trading volume, which literally no one cares about, to be fair, like you say. Second thing is about the, is about the ticker. Again, Yes, I asked them to do something with that. It's better, but I mean, it's not the main issue at the moment, is it? Session times, again, not really not really bothered really either on that. So then it starts going on about the portfolio calculation. That's the kind of stuff which people want to know about. But then it's a bit complex, you know, um, this volume-weighted average price. I mean, I think it's probably beyond some people's comprehension, and that's not, you know, being talking people down and I just think that's just be honest about it is just a bit complex and you know those th- first three things in that comms probably should have been at the bottom as kind of oh by the way we're also we've also done this or we're also doing this 
it's sort of like they've got it almost in the wrong order for me. Um, you know, and ultimately the main concerns people have really at the moment are about liquidity um, and uh, the sort of the, the mechanics in terms of how the actual price is being affected. So that, you know, the viewing of the price thing really isn't actually about what players are actually valued at. It's, it's not about what you're going to see on the screen, um, you know, which is actually what, what people, what's affecting people. So I think it could have been a lot better. There's no doubt about that. I think they got it in the wrong order. And, you know, they're not mentioning stuff which actually people are, are talking about. They've not even touched on NASDAQ in the entire email. Just to even say, by the way, it's all still on track. We're just going through a few final checks with them or whatever it is. They've not even mentioned it in the whole comms and that's got people starting talking about is it still going to happen and things like that. So it almost causes more uncertainty than than it actually helps. Yeah, the the NASDAQ thing, you know, it's just, I think people are whipping out screenshots now because it's very easy to forget and I'm one who, about the whole NASDAQ thing, I haven't really put the foot in the throat at all on any podcast I did about them for kicking the can down the road on that one and I mean that they're kicking the can I know that I know if they in an ideal world they would have had this in two months ago but it's something that I've let slide a lot um I understand COVID I understand how you know if you work in an office with people something that can be done in a day takes three days because you need to wait for emails and shit I get all that but it's the lack of I don't know what it is to be honest with you I know they're a big big company and I know they need to play the game but a wee bit of a, lads, will you hear this? Basically, Nasdaq was meant to be in by them, but this happened and that happened, and COVID and restrictions and US elections and fucking blah blah blah. blah. I don't know, just spill some shit. All these reasons, because of that, you know, it's been, had to be delayed. Our developer was off sick for two weeks with COVID, and so was he. And this happened then, and we're trying our best, but it's just taking a bit longer. We've talked to Nasdaq, estimating the end of the year, January, February, absolute latest. We'll keep you updated. Thanks for bearing with us. As I'm sure you understand, it's a massive overhaul to the infrastructure of the tech behind the platform and blah, 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 blah. I'd be like, do you know what? Yeah, 100% makes sense. But it's this kind of like, do you know, putting out comms and just like, it's almost like, do you know when your dog's like doing a shite and it kind of doesn't look you in the eye, it kind of gives you the side eye? It's kind of like that. It's kind of like they're sitting there and they're kind of like, don't mention it, and they they won't they won't notice. You know, just don't don't talk about it. They're kind of like not really looking you in the eye and kind of just sliding on past the fact of Nasdaq. That was probably a weird digression. No one will get but me because that's what my dog does. But I don't know. It just doesn't sit right with me. This kind of like, it's just like they're being so slimy about it or something. Maybe that's me being a dick. That's how I feel. No, I mean, it's it's fair enough. You know, I was just going to say myself that it does kind of seem as though if we don't mention it, then no one will realise. And it's like, well, actually, that's what everyone's talking about, apart from liquidity and the mechanics. NASDAQ is the other thing. And people are now starting to speculate whether it's not going to happen. Um, I don't, I'm, that isn't going to, it is going to happen, but I'm, I'm sure of that. But, you know, it's sort of causing that uncertainty and people thinking, oh, is that is that going to fall away? And then what what's going to happen if NASDAQ doesn't come on board now? And, it just causes more uncertainty. Why not mention, like exactly how you've just said there? Just give an explanation. Just say, look, we know we promised it for September, but it's been delayed for these reasons. Please bear with us. It is coming. You know, that's all you need to say. It's not exactly rocket science, is it? Literally, it's as easy as that. Do you yeah. know, it's as easy as that. 
Anyway, um, yeah, I know I'm kind of going off of one here, Alan. So look, thanks for keeping the the ship steady. You can hear my dog that I was just referencing going mad at a mailman. I think my girlfriend got an iPad today, so lucky her. Is there anything else on these comms we want to talk about, or will we move on? Not really, to be honest. No, I think um, you know we've, we've sort of summarised how we feel about them, and I think um, we've probably got more interesting things in terms of the questions that have come in. So to go on to a bit more of a positive note, Alan, before we move on. Just something pretty miraculous happened in the FI community this week. Canary FI, not to be confused with the the infinitely similar FI Canary, but Canary FI, as I'm sure you're aware, I mentioned it in last week's podcast, started a Just Giving page. I think it's for Fair Share, isn't it? That's the name of the charity, I'm pretty sure. The Marcus Rashford one. Um, Meals for Kids. And all in all, including FI's generous donation, at the minute, it stands at £12,250 plus gift aid at time of recording. And a big part of that, I think, not a big part, but a good, well, a, a substantial part was Louis or Lewis Tomlinson. You know, the guy from 1D, One Direction. Um, I don't know if you've seen this. I'm sure you did. I think everyone in the world did. Basically, he, I don't know if he liked or retweeted the, the Canary FI tweet. And it got like 15,000 likes, 4,000 retweets, and a bunch of One Direction teenage girls going mad. I'd say a few of them maybe slid into Canary FI's DMs. So he's had to obviously steer clear there, you know. But yeah, it's um it's I'm making something that's absolutely beautiful, quite crude, but it was a really nice thing that happened in the FI community. A lot of money raised for a really good cause. Lewis, if you're listening, give me a shout, you can come to the podcast anytime. And fair play to Canary FI. Do you know? That's an absolutely uh, gargantuan effort. So fair fucks to you. Another piece of news in the FI community this week. We'll just get this done, then we'll get into some questions, Alan. Alex S made me piss myself laughing. He actually, I was having, you know, a grim old day of football index, and uh, AS Football Index is his handle. He won two and a half grand in the cash drop, and fair play to him. He stuck to his word and went and he bought a Versace robe. And there's this picture of him on Twitter of him with a big grin on his face with the Versace robe on. And I, that just made my day. So thank you, Alex. You're some man. Um, and Alan, that was really the two highlights of the FI week for me. But we move on to some questions, I think. Sure. So we got a ton on Twitter. We got a couple on Facebook. We got a couple elsewhere, I think. But we'll we'll rit- 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 we'll rattle through the Twitter ones to start. So first up, Aaron Palace. Barnsley manager Valerian Ismail would have been somewhat of an FI romantic story. A Crystal Palace reject who grafted his way to become a starter at Bayern Munich. Are there any out-of-favour Premier League players that you think could have a similar career trajectory? Yeah, this is a really difficult question, uh, to be honest. I didn't really know um, what to make of this. Um, in case anyone doesn't know, I am a Barnsley fan, which is why he's put this question out there. Um, so, yeah, uh, he did have an interesting career. Uh, did uh, Ishmael, yeah, as Aaron says, he was a bit of a palace reject, I think, and then managed to sort of work his way up to Bayern Munich, despite the fact he'd not done well at Crystal Palace. Um, so uh, I don't really know how to answer the question. The one person that came to mind, this is a bit random in a way, uh, was Gilfie Sigurdsson. <laughs> the reason that he came into mind is that he's, I think he's a really, really good player. And he's just not had that effect to Everton he's struggled at Everton compared to his previous spells in the Premier League and um, he's a a sort of player I feel could go to maybe like a I don't know maybe a top eight team in a different league and do really really well and then kind of like drift into a coaching career 
he seems quite an intelligent footballer. So I kind of fancy him to go into coaching or management in the future. You know, maybe come back and manage a random team like Barnsley, uh, you know, sort of, I don't know, five, well, maybe seven, eight, ten years. But like, oh, yeah, he used to play for Everton and stuff like that. Um, but it's a really, not quite sure how else to tackle that question, really. But he's the sort of player that came to my mind as someone that's quite an intelligent player, I think could do well in a different league and probably needs a move because Everton, he, he does get a game here and there. But Hammers has kind of taken off his set pieces and he's kind of been become that playmaker for Everton, really. So it's a bit of a random one, but I wanted to ask you, if you had a player in mind do you know I didn't until now and it's maybe not the right type of player but a player who I think showed so much quality explosivity just fucking dangerous and then just went to Liverpool and gets a game every 10 is Zerdan Shaqiri uh, do you know he's 29 now so I don't know what he's going to do but I mean with him getting a transfer in January he's probably not going to leave in January end of the year maybe at 30 years old, go off to some sort of top six German team and have a worldly in the Europa League or something. Do you know, I could see Shakiri having a 15-goal season in him when he's 31. I could see that, but maybe I'm wrong. Um, But he's the only one who pops out at me. Just, you know, like, really ruined, like, sp- like talent that was just wasted or something. Yeah, he's a, he's a really good player, Shakiri. Um. It's quite disappointing, really, that he just doesn't play. Like, obviously, with being at Liverpool, I think I actually bought quite a few shares in him last year, thinking he'd get a move from Liverpool. Um, and he could easily be a set piece taker, penalty taker, everything at a, probably a top six or eight club, maybe in Germany or sort of Germany or maybe Serie A. Um, and he literally could, could have been like maybe a two pound player or something then. So I bought quite a few shares in him. Obviously, he's just basically wasting away at Liverpool, so it's not gone very well. Uh, but he is a really good player, and I can see what you mean about him. Well, I could see him being a world beater at even like a West Ham or like a I don't know Southampton, maybe I don't know. Do you know? It's just like a kind of top ten Premiership club, kind of mid table club. I think he could be like the the talisman in many ways, but I don't know. Maybe he's just happy creaming the salary and hoping. <laughs> Mo Salah gets an injury. The next question, F.I. Lammings. Last week's guest, great guest. Why are 100 and 200 day moving averages irrelevant to F.I. and will they ever become relevant? What financial stock trading tools have you found useful on F.I.? N.B. This comes from a place of my lack of knowledge in this area rather than a dig at the F.B.I. tweet. I think we talked about you last week. Not necessarily about you, but about a confrontation. Yeah, so... What happened was basically, so FBI trader, I don't know a lot about it, but I think he's got quite a lot of experience in sort of financial markets and things like that. So clearly he is an intelligent guy and he's got, you know, a lot of thoughts about, you know, how he's used his techniques and things like that in that kind of trading. He posted something about how something to do with the moving averages and how it, you know, he was looking at those and thinking, well, if Sancho and, sort of Alexander-Arnold don't do X, Y, and Z soon, then he's looked at the moving averages on his analysis chart and he can see them dropping further. So I sort of picked up on that and said, well, because again, it's another negative tweet. I took it as another negative tweet, another sort of tweet bashing the top end of the market, which just drives me mad. I don't think that was his intention, to be fair, but that's how I took it to start with. Now, for those that don't know, I've got not nowhere near as much experience as he has, but I have done forex trading, 
and sort of done a, a course to sort of learn Forex trading in the past. So I've got some knowledge of it. And this is probably the question I have to think about most in terms of sort of how to respond to this. So um, first of all, so I think that people take market and stock market with Football Index much too literally. Football Index doesn't really behave anything like a stock market or like Forex. Um, Forex alone has over four and a half trillion pounds traded per day on it. So to try and compare that to football index is just, for me, not right. I just don't think you can compare it. Um, you get major institutions like JP Morgan taking up and placing positions on, on Forex markets and things like that. So I just think to compare that to a few football gamblers on football index is just not, not going to be relevant, particularly. Um, just to give a bit more of an explanation about moving averages, just very, very briefly. So moving averages are curves on a market chart that show the average price of the commodity over that number of days. So for example, it could be 50 or 100 or 200 days. The thing is they use as trading tools and like other areas of technical analysis that people use on these kind of markets, they do become a bit of a self-fulfilling prophecy. So unless a lot of traders are using them, they won't be particularly relevant. So, in terms of what he was talking about, so when, when, when say, a 50-day moving average, which is, a, a, say, a curve on, on a chart of a player, for example, if you use a football index, when the shorter moving average, say, the 50-day one, crosses the longer moving average, say, the 200-day one, below the current price of that player or that commodity, if you're looking at a market, the expectation is that the price continues to rise and then vice versa if it's the other way around. So... When you trade in larger markets, say Forex, um, and you go on the apps or the website uh, that you signed up to to do your trading, you can literally just click a button and those moving averages will appear on your screen. So people use these tools all the time. So people will literally bring up, so if you're doing Forex, they'll bring up maybe 12 different uh, currency pairs and they'll look for moving averages that are maybe about to cross to, as a possible buy or sell opportunity. Um, same with areas of resistance as well and things like that they'll all they'll use tools within that trading app to actually help them to identify these things so the point is that football index doesn't have that so the number of people that are doing that kind of analysis which becomes a self-fulfilling prophecy in things like forex you can probably count them on one hand i mean fbi might be the only person that actually does that so it doesn't have that much meaning in a way, it does give you a little bit of insight into whether uh, a commodity, so in this case, a player is maybe experiencing positive or negative activity. But ultimately, it's, it's, a lot of it is down to looking at graphs. And if every if every trader who does Forex is looking at the graph going, oh, there's a moving average about to cross here, and they all place buy orders, then the price is going to go up because that's what people are using to actually, one of the techniques they're using to actually uh, place their trades. So that isn't happening on Football Index. So when you combine the fact that no one, hardly anyone's going to be using those techniques, maybe only one person potentially, um, and you look talk about four and a half trillion a day traded market compared to what Football Index is, um, you know, I just don't think that it's going to have any relevance at the moment. So in addition to that, uh, what I also believe makes it relatively irrelevant as well is that 
there's far too many fundamentals. So fundamentals in, in stock markets and trading are pieces of news that affect the market. So for example, it could be an interest rate rise or a great example would be the US election. So um, the dollar, I believe, has dropped because of uh, the fact that Biden's going to win the election. Um, so that would be an example of a fundamental. So in football index, there are so many fundamentals that change so regularly and make the market so unpredictable. So for example, um, their announcements, there's so many announcements all the time. So people call it announcement index at times. And, you know, the prices of those two players we're talking about there, say Sancho and uh, Alexander Arnold, they're probably going to be controlled by how football index move forward. So if they announce something that stimulates the market, if they announce they've sorted the mechanics out, if they announce that NASDAQ has, has, um, has, has, well, the partnership has begun, things like that, that's what's going to cause those players' prices to go up, plus potentially performance on the pitch as well. But to, to try and use these moving averages to try and predict if a player's price is going to go, go up or down, Again, it's, it, there's too many things that will move those players' prices significantly up or down um, compared to trying to do technical analysis, which is what FBI was trying to do. So, I mean, there's loads of other points as well uh, around that, but they're the sort of major points in terms of why I basically dismissed what he said and just said, it, look, you might have all the knowledge in the world about how to use moving averages and resistance and things like that on Forex markets and other types of stock markets, but I just personally don't think there's any relevance at the moment to football index. And that's why I said to him and he didn't like it. And, you know, there we go. You see, I think like, while maybe I don't have enough knowledge to really chirp in, but based off what you're saying, while maybe the moving averages aren't relevant, if he finds some sort of relevance and he feels that he's getting something out of it all part to him. Now, I understand from your side of it, it's the, the feel that it's scaremongering on the top end. We need an Alan Cooper on an FBI showdown. Anyway, something that I do have a little bit of time for is that technical analysis. At least I did before. And now that the more I think about it now, I used to think, and I talked about this on last week's podcast, how support could be found, particularly whenever it was based on that delta of six or 900 shares, because whenever a price got back to a price, you know, it could well have been the same people just sitting the whole time and the rest of it could have been the market having a bit of fun and IAS and back to FI. Whereas now I think it's a bit more fluid with the bid zones moving and maybe those supports aren't as relevant. Whereas before, you know, there were obviously the finite number of shares, new shares were bought, but they were instant sold back to FI and you could actually hit that support, I feel. Whereas now FI'll just drop the bid zone lower and people will be cheeky bastards. I feel it's a bit all over the place. Um, but then the other side of it is maybe, you know, why not practice these things for whenever, hopefully, FI goes where everyone hopes it goes and becomes a billion dollar market cap and everyone's trading and 10 billion, 100 billion, baby. And all of a sudden, you know, you've been doing this for years and you have an edge. So I don't know. I think there's two sides to it. And I think both have fair points. I'm just kind of sitting on the fence here. But yeah, um, it's interesting to hear your side <laughs> on that because I think we kind of touched on it last week. So. The drama continues this week, one could say. We'll move on there unless there's something you wanted to say. I think it, I, th- I do think, you know, there's obviously no harm in using it. You know, if he thinks he gets an edge from it, then that's great. But, you know, for the reasons I've explained, I don't think it's currently relevant. Now, could it be relevant in the future as a proper trading tool? Maybe. When the market cap's a lot bigger, maybe if we do get an app which actually allows you to put moving average and things like that on the charts, then people might actually use them. 
Uh, plus, maybe if we actually get more people with, say, trading and Forex backgrounds, they might start to use it like FBI does. And so you might start getting a bit more sort of relevance from it. Um, I also think you need to have more of a settled market. You know, once it once maybe FI has got to the point where it's near to market cap, there aren't really any more things to announce. It's almost the final product. There's perhaps going to be more relevance to it then, I think. But just at the moment, I just think, you know, use whatever tools you want by all means. But I think if you're expecting any any other traders to be using moving averages, then I think, you know, you're probably barking up the wrong tree. But um, like I say, um, I don't have any beef with FBI. He's, a, you know, he's obviously a very, very intelligent guy and everything. But, um, you know, we just disagreed on this. Very good. Well, we'll move on because there's a million questions. FI Mark, on the 1st of January 2021, what do you think the highest value player will be worth? Uh, also, what do you think the platform will look like then in terms of the mechanics and NASDAQ integration? So that's that's six weeks away, seven weeks away. It's not too far away. Can you hear that bastard ice cream van? Only just about. I don't know if you can hear it. But these fuck like this Michael pick it up for the people listening. This bastard hasn't been here in months. Like it's the seventh of November. It's COVID. We're in lockdown in Ireland. What he is doing now is outright illegal. This bastard's out there slinging ice creams to kids who aren't allowed to join a fucking queue. God damn it all, and that guy winds me up. He's definitely slinging cocaine. Anyway. Wow. Um where was I? I think I just asked you a question. Ah, uh, fucking hell, that bastard. Um, FI Mark, yeah, did you get that question? Yeah. So I think it's very difficult to predict because obviously it depends on, on what they've resolved by then or not. I mean, if nothing's been resolved by then, which is quite possible, then you're probably going to see the top prices being not much more than they are now, if maybe even less. So you could be looking at £8. Um, if they have introduced stuff by then, if they have produced some positive updates with actually something actually in place then i do think prices can rise quite quickly so you could easily see someone at 10 or 11 pounds it really just depends i don't think we'll get back to sort of 14 15 pounds of sancho or anything like that but i can see things getting back to maybe 10 or 11 pounds if there has been something in place by then so you know it's impossible to answer the question because you just don't know what they will or won't have done by then but i'd say yeah eight pound being pessimistic and 10 or 11 pounds if things have moved forward positively mm. yeah i have to agree i think for me i was waiting for you to kind of go like 14 15 and i was thinking i'm gonna have to be a dickhead here i think unless something drastically changes 11 quid maybe maybe 12 at a push if do you know we're talking first of january if the sancho transfer to united's ramping up for january and do you know in december there's been rumors and he's already won a couple of media days and we're coming into January and they've made a good announcement, you know, maybe a bit more, but I just think this is going to be a bit more of a slow burner getting back to where it was than, than some people would, would give it credit for, but fingers crossed it's 30 quid. <laughs> but that's fine, you know, If it, I don't mind if it takes time. I ju- it just needs to get to the point where we've hit the bottom, mm. positivity's back, sentiment's back, mechanics are fixed, and we can just slowly creep up. Because the fact is that the majority of good players are significantly undervalued now. When you look at the dividends, players are lower now than they were when dividends were half what they are now. And, you know, these are players which have got massive long-term potential. I mean, I don't, I'm not the sort of person who comes on podcasts with loads of stats in front of me, but if I, from memory, I think Sancho has won about £2.75 in dividends this year. So that's now about a third of his price, more or less. And he's 20. You know, he's not even moved yet to United. So, 
he's massively, massively undervalued. And he's not the only player. There's loads and loads of players. You, you can look at any of the top 20 players, probably they're probably all undervalued significantly. So, you know, there's a lot of scope for prices to go up. Do I think they're going to go up really quickly? No, I don't, because there's not enough liquidity, but they will go up in time. I'm very confident of that. We just need to turn that corner and just see things slowly start to creep up. That'll have to start with the spreads creeping or creeping, getting closer together. So the, the sell price is creeping up. That will then push the buy prices up and then we'll be, we'll be back to where we need to go. Yeah. We'll, we'll jump over to a question from Facebook to keep this moving. JP Stoker has asked, uh, this is in the Football Index Trader Group, do you think FI have done everything they can to change the current sentiment? What could they do more or are we just suffering the anxiety of traders in a global pandemic? Yeah, so that's a good, that's a good question. Um, I think, so my, my take on this is that um, we don't need any more gimmicks. You know, we don't need, I mean, they've, they've tried a deposit bonus. That didn't do anything at all. Um, they, they keep trying these, like you say, this rebate on buy, sort of buys for market and stuff like that. I mean, things like that are just not going to work. People just need the mechanics fixing and, and need promises to be to be kept basically so i don't think there's anything they can do other than fixing the pricing mechanisms and delivering on the promises such as the media monitor and nasdaq and things like that i th- i just think they've lost a little bit of sort of credibility in terms of people are now questioning when they announce something is, is that actually going to happen because although normally they don't give dates they did actually say that nasdaq would be here in september i've seen a comms that says that so you know that hasn't happened. We're now in November. They're not even mentioning it in their comms that they're putting out now. So, you know, people are probably starting to think, mm, if they say that, are they actually going to do it or not? So it needs to, they need to, need to deliver on what they, you know, what they, what they promised to do basically as fast as is possible. Like I said, right at the start, it's not as easy as people think, but that's what's going to turn the market around now. There's no point in doing promotions and stuff like that. They just need to get everything that needs to be fixed fixed as soon as they can and for me that's what will turn the market around in terms of the pandemic i what i think about the pandemic situation is that i think it would be naive to think there's been no effect whatsoever the fact that you know people obviously are worrying about that there's a lot of financial issues around some fi traders will have probably lost their job some of some would have been furloughed and things like that but i don't think it's a major reason why we're in this position uh, i think it's a very minor reason um, to be honest um ultimately people were buying players significantly during the summer when the pandemic was sort of almost at its peak and you know there wasn't even is available then so to say now all oh, the market's going down because of the pandemic i think it's just not the case really um ultimately we're probably at the point where we can start to hope about coming to the end of it as well. There's vaccines being rumoured and things like that, even as early as Christmas potentially. So I think, you know, I don't think the pandemic's having much of an effect on the overall market. Uh, I think it's an easy excuse that could be trotted out, but I think it's down to all the other things that we've discussed. I'm going to tell you a little story, Alan. Okay, I'm going to bring you on a journey. You can close your eyes if you wish, but no pressure. People at home, you can close your eyes. And this just kind of ties in, and maybe people sitting at home thinking, this guy John's a wanker, but I'm used to that by now. So this is just referencing those yields that you mentioned about Sancho and maybe the uncertainty and distrust with FI, because I find recently my defence or my 
justification how I tell myself it's okay to have so much money in football index and why I believe in it long term is the yields are undeniable. That's the one thing. That's the sticking point. There's other bits and bobs. The concept amazing, but the yields are categorically unfucking deniable. But I had a bit of a moment the other day. I was out for a run, believe it or not, and I was there and I was thinking, right, here's the story. So, two doors up from me lives a guy. His name's Mickey, Mickey, Mickey McGivern. Okay, and Mickey McGivern's a bit of a shady character. You know, he wears his sweatpants, he's dodgy white goddies, and goes to the shop and drinks Monster every day. He's he's on the dole, not very, and you know, he, he's an ex-convict. You occasionally hear his wife crying out the back garden, smoking cigarettes at night. Do you know his kids? They're bad wee bastards and they bully they bully my kids. He, do you know, I'm trying to really build a horrible image of a guy here, but bottom he's tattoos on his face, okay? That's where we're going with this guy. Ex-convict, affiliated with some bad people, okay? You get a bad vibe. And he comes over to me and he says, John, here's the story, mate. You give me five grand and I will guarantee you a 250% yield in the next year. Do you know? You give me that five grand, I'll give you bad maths. Let's say let's say he just says, I'll give you what's that, 150% yield, 12 and a half grand back next year, or whatever it is, right? Am I giving him my money? It doesn't fucking matter what the yield is if I cannot trust the person I'm giving the money to. And that's where I'm at now. Do you know? Can I trust Football Index to deliver on their promises? Can I believe them to bring the company where it should be brought? I, honestly, the way I'm saying it to people in the DMs at the minute who are on to me, I used to believe in the FI concept 99%. I don't believe you should ever believe in anything like this 100%. 99%, yeah, 100%, take my, take my savings. Now, I'm probably at 80%. Do you know? And that 20% is enough to change a guy from regular regular depositor and believer in the company to kind of like backseat we'll suss this out we'll keep a cash balance we'll wait and see what happens i don't know i hope that i hope the story resonated with you but do you get what i'm getting at yeah i do get what you're getting at and i don't blame anybody for not depositing at the moment and, and not buying players you know it is understandable if i'm honest about my position so up, up until about Four or five days ago, every time I won any dividends, I was reinvesting them and you know minimum bids. To be honest, yeah, players without a sell price, putting an offer in, getting the lowest bids. But the last four or five days, I've just kept any dividends I've won in my cash balance because I think, do you know what? I don't know how low it's going to go. I don't think it can go much further, but I keep thinking that, and then it goes goes further down again. So I'm now waiting to put that money back in, for, waiting for some positive news because. You know, there's no point in me keep bidding on players when no one else is bidding on them. So ultimately, I'm just going to wait a bit longer now. So I've only got like 100 quid cash balance, 170 quid or something like that. But, you know, I'm not spending it until I've got some positive news now. Um, so um, one thing that um, people keep want to see people on the timeline have taken the mick about is saying, um, I, I made a comment, I think, about maybe week and a half two weeks ago and said this is probably the best ever time to get in on football index in terms of um you know opportunities for you know yields and stuff like that and people have said oh well look at the market now it's even lower than when you said it was the best opportunity so at the time i still believe that that comment was right i think it was the best opportunity but now's even an even better opportunity so although i'm keeping my cash balance at the moment 
Um, you know, I do think that if somebody comes in new now or has got a big deposit that they can put in and it's risk, you know, they don't need the money for anything else and all that kind of stuff, then I think it is a fantastic opportunity personally because I do believe in the long-term future of the of the product. So, um, but no, I couldn't blame anybody for not being comfortable and I wouldn't blame you in that situation there for, for saying no to that guy. You know, it's, it does make sense. So, <laughs> you know, I wouldn't criticise anybody for, for not depositing. The one thing I would say... This is just my opinion. I think selling now, unless you need the money desperately, is a really bad idea. That's my opinion. I don't think FI is going to crash. I don't think it's going to go out of existence. I think it'll go from strength to strength. It might take three months, six months. It might take a year. But I think selling now is very risky. Okay, you might sell now for four quid and buy for three quid in a week's time or two weeks' time. But equally, they might announce that stuff's been fixed and everything else. And Actually, you might have sold someone for four quid next week is five quid. So that's why I don't want to sell players now because I might end up wanting them back next week and they've, they've gone up. So it's that classic, when do I sell? So obviously people that sold a week, maybe a month ago now, are buying players back for like two thirds of the price and fair play to them. You know, they got it right. That's fine. But, you know, I'm holding these guys it's for for the long term, you know, so actually the, the sell price doesn't matter as long as those prices do slowly creep back up. Mm. I'm winning dividends nearly every day. I've won loads of gold days, Starman and everything else, and I'm raking those dividends in. And I'm not trying to sell those players, so it doesn't matter if there's no sell price right now. So I think there's a difference between would you deposit now and would you sell now? Personally, I'm just sticking where I am. I'm not mm. spending anything. I'm taking the dividends in. And I've got absolutely zero intention of taking seven or eight pounds for Sancho and five pounds for alexander arnold because i think those guys from a yield point of view are worth two three four times those prices so i'm absolutely not going to be selling them so i think there's a difference to be made there between depositing and just staying where you are yeah no that, that's completely fair and it's funny just based on your tweet saying there's never a better time to buy or whatever it was a tweet of mine came to mind and I actually haven't thought of this, and the only reason I was able to track it down was because a housemate, an ex housemate of mine, texted me after I posted it, being like, "Geez, where do I, where do I put my money?" Sort of thing. On the twenty eighth of August, twenty twenty, John Nellis at Irish FI One tweeted, "Anyone know of a place that buys kidneys? Need to round up some cash for an opportunity that I'm not sure I'll come across again in my lifetime." Hashtag football index. God, they were simpler times, weren't they? before it all went tits up um so yeah i think ugh, i don't know what i'm the main the crux of the thing for me at the minute is i just don't know where the bottom is i don't know when the sentiment changes and i think from a risk standpoint like you keeping your cash balance i think most people are probably in the the basket where it's like yeah the sensible thing to do here is probably just to hold off wait and see it turn and then lose out on a 5%, 10% rise to protect my cash. Do you know, no one really wants to go now. I, I pulled the trigger four days ago or something on Trent, and I'm already down 10%. And it's like, albeit I, I'm probably down 20% because I accidentally bought from market when I went to put a bid in. I think I've tweeted about that. But yeah, it's just this game of chicken, isn't it? I just hope it turns sometime soon. But but we'll move on, Alan. Um. We'll move on, hopefully, to, to some nicer questions that are a little more upbeat, but I don't think there's any this week. Joe Brown, <laughs> advertising 
Football Index's official podcast and Football Index's Twitter posts with random interviews and other things. Which would you pull first? So, yeah, this is quite a good question as well. <laughs> Although it's a negative question in a way, it is quite a funny question, I think, to some extent as well. So, um, so what I've sort of um, thought about is, I think, first of all, in terms of the advertising, my understanding is that they've only continued with contracted TV advertising and such like, which I'm guessing now if you said to Sky or Channel 4 or whoever, we want to pull this advertising, it's probably too late and you probably still be charged, so you might as well continue with those adverts. Um, so I, I certainly heard a few couple of months ago, two or three months ago, that other advertising plans had been temporarily shelved while the market was obviously in a state of flux and it's a good job they did because it's obviously got a lot worse since then. In terms of the FI podcast, it's it's difficult. You know, I've listened to it a few times. I haven't listened to it now for probably three months. It's okay. Like, it's relatively interesting in part, but the problem is, I think, with that is that they're competing with your podcast, the Roundtable podcast, Figs podcast. You know, I listen to those three every week. I listen to yours and Figs and Roundtable every week, and they're much more interesting. I'll learn from probably every single guest that's on there and it's really interesting to hear people's opinions about the actual product and their beliefs or their concerns or their techniques their all these kind of things so you know why would I listen to the FI podcast because it, it doesn't really teach me anything um I kind of feel with that that they almost seem to be trying to just spread the word to well-known journalists and ex-players about the index almost just seems a way of trying to advertise um, so let Sam Lee and people like that, you know, um, James Pierce sort of learn about FI a bit, get a bit of interest and maybe he'll tweet something to his followers or, you know, something like that. Or him and his colleagues in the industry will sort of talk about it and spread the word. It almost seems like that. You know, I think they had Danny Murphy on the other week as well, who's obviously been on Talk Sport as well on the show where they've talked about it. So it seems to me it's literally just a way of getting the word out there about FI. So like as a trader, do I want to listen to it? If I was really bored and had listened to all the other podcasts and I was on a holiday or something, maybe I'd turn it on. But um, anyway, moving on to the other one, uh, the FI Twitter posts. So what for, it does frustrate me a bit at the moment. So FI sort of tweet out about, oh, it's a gold day or a silver day, or maybe they have an, you know, an article by um, somebody about the, the French League or the German League and get loads of replies sort of saying, oh, don't bother or something like that. And I think that's wrong because... At the end of the day, they've got to continue to tweet out the stuff that they tweet out in terms of that sort of stuff, you know, team of the month updates as well. They've got to keep engaging in that sense. They can't just hide, you know. I think it's the right thing for them to do to keep tweeting about stuff like that. So, you know, I think that has its place. So I think to answer the question specifically then, to summarise there, I think right now, this minute, I would call any advertising because obviously we don't want people to be joining at this point. But in the longer term, I'd probably say call the podcast because I don't think many people probably listen to it. It doesn't have much value to me. And, you know, obviously advertising in the long term is much needed and so is the social media interaction. Well, I'd be interested to actually see their... This is... It's a weird one because obviously I'm a podcast guy, right? So um, let me see. Let me look up their sort of podcast performance to an extent, whatever it will tell me because I've talked about this a couple of weeks ago and the the official one there we 
go. Jeez, they've got some bad reviews. I'll tell you that much for free. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah. Do you know what? They're actually performing much worse than I expected in terms of their their rankings and stuff on charts. So basically, the way I the way I explain this to people who don't care about podcasts. It makes no sense for them to make a football index podcast about football index because that's just gonna that's just gonna entertain football index users, which is great for retention and entertaining your current users and engagement. But the other side of that is there's a couple of us that already do that and we can go into much more depth. I'm not even a fucking affiliate. I can say whatever I want. So I have an edge over them in that respect. They would be very, very limited in what they can and can't say, whereas the likes of me and you here now, Alan, can just say whatever the fuck we want. Um, so there, there's no benefit to them doing it for us, okay? So, but you need what people need to realize is, it is that it's advertising. What they want is to get the big guys on, to hopefully get a couple of sound bites, to get a few this and that, and get that content out there to make your average football punter want to listen, and then plug football index. Where I think their time and money would be better spent is actually just sponsoring big football podcasts because that's where the ears already are instead of trying to make this product that people come and listen to and you you ram football index on their throat do you know people aren't going to come and listen to the football index podcast it's kind of like it's neither here nor there it's not a football index podcast but it's not a football podcast so no one listens people who want a football index podcast listen to me figure the round table people who want a football one listen to peter not peter Krause, but you know what i mean they listen to the football ramble daily or whoever these people um so they're kind of in a halfway house, but I see what they're trying to do. Um, it's an advertising thing. I don't know how successful it's been. I'm sure they can tell you. Yeah. But we'll move I, on. I, I, think. I, agree. I agree with you, John. Just, Good. Just quickly. Um, so I listen to two different FPL podcasts, and one of them has no advertising on at all and has, I don't know how many listeners, but a lot of listeners. We're talking probably 10,000 plus, I'm guessing. And the other one does actually is sponsored by one of the large betting companies. Now, how much an independent podcast uh, producer would ask for an advert from a company like that? It can't be much money. And they have tens of thousands of listeners. I mean, I don't know how many followers they've got, but probably got tens of thousands of followers on Twitter. Like, it's probably like 50 quid or something. I mean, literally just target these guys. Like, they will happily take adverts. You know, this one of the guys has three or four adverts on his show now every week. It's like it might put people off if he does any more. But the point is that there are thousands of people that listen to these podcasts. They're all football fans. Like, why would you not try and target those? It doesn't make sense to me. Yeah. Oh, a hundred percent. And do you know what? Actually, I'll just to get you excited, as if John couldn't dip his toes anywhere else, as if he couldn't have his fingers in any more pies. An FPL podcast is in the works. Do you know, COVID's a long old time. There's a long time of doing nothing, so there's a pretty big uh, member of the FPL community. Um, the, the beauty of the FPL community, by the way, they all want to work together. I've already, I'm not even in that community, and I did a fucking stream with the general, who's like the guy. Sound lad. He's actually from the north of Ireland as well. But anyway, uh, FPL podcast is on its way, hopefully after the international break. I have fucking podcasts everywhere now, but anyway, <laughs> what else would it be at? Um, FIFPL addict sentiment will turn but how much damage will this do to progression of FI or is it just a case of us having to wait longer for big money coming in with NASDAQ and the extra funds they could bring in so Alan here's my kind of just before I'll probably even have to re-ask that question unless you have it in front of you along this kind of big money thing 
I feel like if I obviously plan to do this whole market, um, the order book transition later than they did, smoother than they did, more prepared than they did. But what happened was COVID happened and they had to shift liability probably from an insurance or from some sort of standpoint. So they did it and it was all a bit haphazard and rushed. And now we're in the middle of a global pandemic and pending economic crisis and this and that and the other. Is it a case of they thought, fuck it, we need to do this, they've done it. And now it's a case they're trying to... I thought finding a liquidity provider or market maker would have been relatively easy for a company of Football Index's size, performing how they did on that tech track or whatever it was, that chart where they came second behind Revolut and this and that. And, do you know, the opportunities for companies to make money coming in market making here. I thought people would lap that up. But it's 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 grasshoppers, like, it's tumbleweed. And does that, that what that screams to me is it's actually way, way harder to find someone to take that risk on or take on that role at the minute. Um, and that... It, that worries me a little bit. Um, that's kind of a digression from the question, but it made me think of that. What What are your thoughts on all of that and the question and whatever you want to talk about? <laughs> I think they must have done some research into liquidity providers before they've introduced, you know, what we've got now. Um, I think undoubtedly it's harder to get people on board than what the general trader probably thinks. I would suspect that anybody coming into FI as a market maker would want to understand the product, would want to see how the market behaves and things like that. So, you know, there probably will have been elements of learning there. So just to expect them to come in on day one is probably unrealistic. Um, what my opinion is on this is that I don't think that Football Index should have introduced what we have now without having them in play. So I think the mistake is that they've introduced if you want to call it an order book, it's not quite a full order book, but order books, they brought it in before they're ready. Now, whether that's a result of COVID and everything else, I mean, it probably is because obviously they removed IS at that point. Then you couldn't sell. So, right, we better provide bids to allow you to sell to other traders and then and so on and so forth. So I think it's happened. It's a little bit unfortunate in a way, but I think ultimately they still probably shouldn't have put the full order book in before, you know, the order we've got now in before they had market makers because this is the result you know the proof's in the pudding so um they definitely made some mistakes with that um i'm sure they'll get people in but it's when it's going to be you know so obviously that's the concern is how long we're going to be waiting for more liquidity so it's disappointing that it's led to this situation now and i can't blame people for being worried about it i can't blame people for Selling, even though I'd say oh, it's silly to sell now, like I can see why people do it. I do understand the panic around it to some extent. So in terms of damage to the product, I don't think it'll make much difference in the long term. As long as they get it right in the next oh, two or three months, then I think, yeah, you'll lose some people. Of course, you're going to lose some people. But the word will get around once it's fixed and once it's working well again, and I think they'll be fine but they do need to get it sorted sooner rather than later because the longer it drags on for, obviously the, the reputational damage will increase. Hmm. Yeah, I think they're kind of... They're in this horrible place now where like every day that goes by, there's more and more traders leaving the platform, uh, shitting all over the platform, slowering about the platform, and it's just this never-ending tirade against them on their social media posts. There's nothing they can really do now. And they almost need a quick fix or some sort of fix to change that because I just don't, 
I don't know if people have the patience now. A lot of people, traders, to for them to implement something that's going to be a slow burner or to tell us, yeah, Nasdaq's coming in in March twenty twenty one, or do you know some of that something like that? I just I don't know. I think regardless, if they get it right, it succeeds long term. But I don't think it can be underestimated the damage that the current sentiment is the damage that that's doing because it's not like this has been two weeks. It's been realistically, and I'm not even going back into COVID, reduced, taking the liability off them with the AIS, etc., or even pre-COVID. If we just go back to the first, for me, real thing that was like, fuck off, the, the shitty dividend increase, goalkeepers, early July. Like, July was four months ago. Like, this is a long time of just bitching and moaning. And honestly, I've said this a couple of times, I'm going to be honest with you, podcast listeners, I'm getting pretty fucking sick of podcasting about this. I feel like every week it's Debbie Downerville and I would love to just be chatting about players and, you know, player rises and predicting what's going to happen and getting excited about yeah. the weekend and, oh, are you in for a shout at Team of the Month dividends and people asking exciting questions about expansion into America. You know, this type of shit. But it's, it's just dragging on so long. I think it's wearing everyone down and... I just hope enough people can stay on for the ride. <laughs> because I hope once we get out the other end, and I hope once they fix it, it does just continue to grow. Um, anyway, there, there you go. There's a little monologue for you, Alan. There's so many questions here. Um, let me see. I'll go to one that has a few likes on it, because we're not going to get through them all. But thank you genuinely to all of you who asked questions. Um, there's the one that poked fun at you, FSB Asian. Was the last day the deposit bonus the best ever time for users to buy in? Um, we've already addressed that, but there there was the comment. Hawkins says, "Why are you very positive about the future of football index?" Um, I suppose we've probably referenced this. In a nutshell, why are you so positive? The main well, the main reason positive is that I think the product itself, the concept, and the products are fantastic, and I don't think people want it to disappear. So I've got enough confidence that once it's working as it should do, that people will want to play football index. Um, you know, it's a bet on the career of a player or over a season or a 30-day period or whatever. It's a unique type of bet. I think it's fascinating. It's addictive as it's shown when the market's doing well. So, um, you know, from that point of view, the product itself is great. FI have overcome many hurdles before. Um, they've got far more know-how and experience than they ever have before. And they've always moved on before and become stronger. So, this is obviously the biggest blip that there's been, uh, but I do believe that we'll get over that. I think the only major concern I feel people can have about FI moving forward is whether they actually survive. Uh, but as far as we know, they're in great financial shape and no longer have the IS liability. I do think that traders grossly exaggerate the underperformance of football index. Um, as I mentioned before, I've listened to a lot of, uh, sort of tech guys and other podcasts, uh, maybe even one, maybe one of yours as well. They've talked about you know, the fact it is harder to implement things than, than what the general trader thinks. So you know, they tend to be much more understanding of how things are. Um, and I kind of will trust their opinion as people that work in that industry. Um, and, and, you know, at the end of the day, you know, FI built this thing from scratch. It was just media with 200 players originally. They then brought you know performance buzz in or match day rankings as it is now. Um, a lot more players. It used to just be 200 players. They brought IPDs in, buy orders, sell offers. Like they've come a long way in five years, in my opinion. And just to write them off because of a period like this is just, to me, is an overreaction. Um, I think they brought the product on far too far now, just to fall on the sword, um, and that therefore they will get it right. 
Um, I think people are very unfair to them in terms of saying that they don't know what they're doing, like they don't understand their own product and stuff. I think, I think yes, it's frustrating. Yes, they've done things wrong. Yes, there's things that don't make any sense. Yes, they need to do much better. But I think, you know, that that kind of criticism is over the top. So they're the main reasons why I believe in it. Um, ultimately, the, the product itself is great. The concept is great. That's really the main thing. But as I say, those are the points as well. So whilst I'm disappointed and a bit fed up with it at the moment, I'm still very positive long term. Brilliant. Yeah. Um, and and I'll, one more question just to wrap this up and then we'll, we'll say goodbye. Ginger Pirlo, FI, how disappointed or even confused are you with Football Index's management that they haven't changed the current VWAP 900 mechanic? Surely a percentage of shares on offer is a better way. And are you also concerned that they might not have any much needed liquidity providers on the horizon anytime soon? Okay. So I think we've already talked about liquidity providers, really. Um, so, yeah, they need to get those on board as soon as possible. Instead, in, in terms of the 900 share mechanic, I am surprised they've done nothing about it so far. Um, but I think the issue is that no one seems to have a really good solution for it. You know, I've not heard a single solution that, that to me, seems to be the solution. Um, using all offers, as I think you maybe suggested or some people have suggested, increasing an average sounds okay. But then, you know, will people be able to set prices as they can now above the market price, would that just inflate the prices then? So like if a player's nine pound now and I put an offer in for 10 pounds, is that just gonna increase his price? Because um, does that really make sense? Or is it just someone trying to increase the price? So it, that's the probably the biggest issue is how to reflect that buy price. I think there needs to be two different buy prices. I think there needs to be some kind of overall average maybe. And then there needs to be an average of the top 900 or the bottom 900 shares, whatever, to show you what you can actually buy that player for. So I think they're probably trying to still work out what the best way of reflecting that is. They probably didn't expect this kind of a, a market crash, if you like. And they're probably having to think on their feet and try and work out how to reflect that. So it's not because it's a balance, isn't it? It's a balance between it being really easy for someone just to knock the price down by listing some shares, like one or two traders. But at the same time, we don't want the fake green, as, as people call it, um, as well. So there's no point in just changing it so it shows you've got more money than you really have and what you can, a lot more than what you can sell for, because that's also not accurate. So I think that's the reason why they probably haven't addressed it and changed it yet. Um, so, you know, it's one of those things I think we have to be patient with that, uh, ultimately. Um, you know, I think that will be changed in time. Um, but, you know... We, we just want an accurate way of valuing our portfolio so you actually know where you stand. Um, you know, just a slight tangent from this, if you don't mind. Um, I do see a lot of posts about, oh, fake green, and people have been living on the fake green figures for all this time and everything else. Just a word on that, that until the last sort of year or so, until, in fact, until IS was removed, you could actually value your portfolio via the green you know the figures that showed on your portfolio were actually correct all you had to factor in was a two percent commission and about three percent spread on basically every player so actually the older traders like myself who've been on since you know 2017 or before even 2018 and before that was a way of recording your portfolio value and as long as you just took off probably five percent of that that was your actual sell price of your portfolio so it's not just a case of all these figures have always been fake They've probably been fake since IS was removed and you couldn't actually sell for those prices. Um, so I think it's important just to state that. 
Um, but obviously now, yeah, they don't mean the same as they used to. And to try and get an accurate portfolio value now is very, very difficult. Um, so, you know, I do have sympathy with, you know, with, with people who just want to know what they can actually value the portfolio at. Because I don't think the current buy price is really accurate either because you are literally valuing it on the most pessimistic traders. So yeah, it's really, really difficult. I think I've always tried to record a portfolio value as a way of monitoring how I'm getting on. But actually, it's literally worthless now. So I think probably for next year, once next year comes in and I start monitoring how I'm doing next year, I think I'll probably just create a dividend chart and see how much, how many dividends I've, I've brought in rather than you know what my portfolio in theory is worth. Yeah, it's a tricky one. And to be honest with you, it's way above my pay grade to even speculate. I have no idea how they should do it. But I'd say they've, they're paying people a lot of money to come in economists and people market economists and the like coming in trying to work out the best way to impl- implement things like this and how to love oh jesus christ it's a headache like even just you sort of saying there about do you know there's just so many ways that the portfolio could be valued and what's the best and do you need to show people the price that they can actually buy for or should you show them a more optimistic price that's more re- realistic or um more of a reflection of the market as a whole or do you show them this or do you show them that? There's just so many fucking loopholes and... Ugh. I can't even be arsed thinking about it anymore, Alan. I think on that we'll wrap up. It's been a pleasure chatting to you again. It really has. The second time on. If people want to find you, where would you like to be found? Um. So my uh, FI Twitter is at footy. That's with an I-E. So F-O-O-T-I-E index Al. Just a word on that. Um, I actually, for some bizarre reason, I don't know, got banned from Twitter for seven days. I have absolutely no idea. <laughs> so it is possible that it was those uh, nudes. it's possible that that Twitter handle never is never allowed to come back. <laughs> so um, if it isn't, then I'll have to create a new one. Well, there we are. Well, fingers crossed. Pray for Al. Um, good stuff. We'll look. It's probably quite a good time to be banned. To be honest, because it's uh, I've quite enjoyed having a week off the timeline. <laughs> Yeah, I think I need one to be honest with you. I might try and do one now for the next week, but I don't know how that would work from a podcast standpoint. Maybe I'll just quiz the next week's guest on what's happened. But Alan, it's been a pleasure. Genuinely, thank you so much for your time and uh, sure chat to you again. You're welcome. Thanks very much, John. All the best.